Hi, and welcome to Right Life of Michigan's Life Beat podcast. Today we are doing something uh, different and special. We have Jeff Joquin joining us today. Um, so we're going to have a very casual conversation with Jeff to hear about his post-abortive journey of healing and forgiveness. Uh, so we're so excited to have Jeff with us today, and it's an honor to be able to share Jeff's story with our listeners. We hope that by sharing his message here uh, in Michigan, because he's in Florida, I believe, that it will touch the life of at least one person. And so... Um, we're just going to get right into it. If you want to do a little introduction and then just tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah, thank you, Anna Marie, for having me. Um, my name is Jeff Joquin, a husband to my beautiful wife, Sandy, of 23 years, and father to my daughter, our daughter, Faith McKenzie, who's 20 years old, and my son, Jonathan Andrew Joquin, who would be 35 years old. We currently reside in Tampa, Florida. Um, but both of us, my wife and I, grew up in Dartmouth, Massachusetts, even though we never met each other until our probably around 23, 24 years old. So I spent the first 26 years of my life in Massachusetts and the last 27 down here in Tampa, Florida. So that's a little bit about me. And then if you want to just uh, tell us a little bit about your story, um, how you have you know, gotten to this point in your life and um, yeah, how being pro-life and your past experience with abortion, how that Oz Hall worked together. Yeah, you know, the my pro-life um, journey actually began with a phone call that I received at the age of 17 years old. Um, as a little backdrop to that phone call, you know, I have a brother who's five years older than me. Um, and when he got into high school, I think it was his junior year of high school, he got his girlfriend pregnant. And being raised in a good Catholic Christian family, that was kind of a big black eye on the family. So by God's graces, he had a shotgun wedding and, and had his, his son um, and moved on with his, with his marriage. So when I got into high school, uh, my, you know, loving and caring and compassionate parents were very careful to make sure that, you know, I didn't make the quote unquote same mistake that my brother had made. Um, you know, so, but one thing led to another and then senior year of high school, I had pretty serious relationship with my girlfriend at the time. And then that phone call came in. I know a lot of your listeners, uh, especially the male ones, can probably remember where they were when they received that phone call. And that phone call went something like this, Anna Maria. Um, I picked up the phone, and it was my girlfriend on the other line, and she said, you know, her first words out of her mouth was, we have a problem. And all I could think about was my older brother. All I could think about was the, the, the black guy that that was on my family, even before she finished the sentence, I knew what her what, what her issue was going to be, what the issue was going to be. And she told me that we're pregnant. And, you know, Anna Marie, I, I can remember that conversation as if it were today. I mean, I, I was getting ready to go off to college to play football and hopefully that lead to an NFL career. I had so much, such a bright future in front of me 
And then when I got that phone call and I heard that that news, you know, it just sent a shockwave through me. And instead of being a, a, a man and standing up for my unborn child in the womb, uh, I, I told my girlfriend at the time, I said, give me 24 hours and I'll call you back. Well, I gave her 24 hours. I called her probably about 12 hours later the next morning and told her we needed to have an abortion. Didn't pray about it. Didn't, you know, even though I was brought up in a good Catholic Christian family, didn't pray, didn't reflect, didn't talk to a priest, didn't talk to anybody. All I had inside of me was fear. So I called my girlfriend up the next day and told her to set up the appointment and tell me how much it would cost. And, and we would, quote unquote, take care of this problem. I believe that my words were as naive and as, and as sad as they are to, to repeat them today. So she, she called me up later that day, said it would be $200, and we set up an appointment in Providence, Rhode Island, because, you know, the local football star can't be seen at a local abortion clinic. So we, we drove the 45 minutes down to Providence, Rhode Island. I can remember not saying a word to her on the way, on the way down there. You know, that was, you know, she was looking for comfort and support, and all I gave her was silence. So we pulled up to the porte at this quote-unquote woman's health center, and I dropped her off. And she turned and she looked at me and she said, do you plan on coming in? And here's the cowardly decision number three that I made. I looked at her and I said, no, I don't, I don't plan on going in. So not only did I borrow $200 from a friend, I didn't say a word of encouragement to her all the way down to the appointment, but I didn't even have the courage to go in there with her to the appointment. So I pulled the car into the parking lot, Anne Marie, and and um, and I, you know, it was July, the third Saturday of July of 1987. It, you know, so it was fairly hot. Uh, there was a, a a large grouping of oak trees around this facility, so there was no breeze, and I had no air conditioning in my car. And all I can remember is for an instant pausing and looking, you know, up to heaven. And I can remember saying, God, is this what hell is going to feel like? I was sweating bullets. And I think my conscience had finally had finally tweaked inside of me. But what, you know, just like typical man, I, I buried that emotion deep. My girlfriend came out of the building. Um, the nurse gave us the pain medicine. I drove her all the way home. Again, didn't say a word to her. Called her up the next day and I broke up with her. And, you know, because I was off to college. I was going to put this behind me. That's That was my thought process at the time at 17 years old. Well, I can tell you this. There hasn't been a day in the last 36 years that I haven't thought about that decision. Now, my recovery process from the abortion, you know, the first four or five years, quite frankly, Anna Marie, I buried that issue so deep, I never allowed it to come to the surface. And I medicated, I self-medicated alcohol and drugs. And, you know, even though I was a two-time preseason All-American in college playing football and have the Buffalo Bills actively scouting me, 
I just, I never thought about that abortion. I never thought about that decision I had made just because everybody around me was telling me how great I was. How could I possibly be a, a, a closet uh, murderer of an unborn child? So as luck would have it, um, my, my addictions, if you will, overcame my ability to, to play in the NFL. And then I went out and I still, I went to a school, a civil engineering school. So I had my civil engineering degree. Uh, so after a fa the failed NFL career, I went out into the real world and tried to, you know, to make some money, to make a living, to be successful. And it really wasn't until probably my mid-20s, probably the age of 23, 24, where my spiraling out of, tro out of uh, control uh, culminated in an event in the summer of when I was 24 years old. And in that summer, all my friends from college had come home and we had a party at the beach and, and we were celebrating and alcohol led to marijuana, led to cocaine. And all I remember is that night getting home to my parents' house around midnight and I was lying on my parents' den as a 25-year-old man having a cocaine-induced heart attack. I mean, my heart was literally beating out of my chest, and my years of, ab of abuse of alcohol and drugs were finally coming to a culmination. And I picked up the phone, and I called my brother, and I said to my brother, Marcus, and Marcus said, I, I know I'm, so I'm sorry I wasn't the brother that you deserved. Sorry I didn't make it to the NFL. I said, but I'm going to die here tonight. I'm sitting here on mom and dad's den, lying on the floor, having a cocaine heart attack. And my brother said to me, he said, Jeff, let me call 911. We'll get you some help. And I said to him, I said, Mark, I said, no, don't do that. I said, one of two things is going to happen. Either I'm going to meet Jesus Christ face to face, and he's going to save me from this near-death experience, or I'm going to pass from this life and I'm going to meet him face to face and probably spend, uh, you know, eternity in damnation. Wow. And all I remember, Anne Marie, is the next morning waking up at probably noontime. And I, I just, I felt a warm rush over my entire body that night. And I woke up the next day on the side of my bed, praying to God, asking him to put the pieces together that I had so, so, horribly damaged in my life so that's that's kind of my story up to the age of 24 um, um and then and then you know that was really the point in time in my life where i started uh, my recovery process if you will did you know that while all of this was happening while you were struggling with addiction that it was sounds like it was stemming from the experience you had with your girlfriend and going through that abortion. But in that moment, did you know that that was kind of underlying or was there a moment where you realized it was because of that? Yeah. Great question. Anna Marie. you know, I didn't, I'm like most men. I'm very good at three things. One, never showing emotion Two burying any issues that I have so deep down inside that they can almost never be uncovered. 
And then three, Anna Marie, and this is the important one. Men build walls up around us ourselves. We build these tall walls so that so that we can keep everyone out and we can keep ourselves in. So for me, hey Anna Marie, I, I did not I did not reflect on the gravity of the decision that I made at the age of 17 until I got married to my beautiful wife in my early 30s and we decided to try to get pregnant. That was the very first time I had even thought of bringing up that issue because really in college, Anna Marie, when you know everyone's telling you how great you are mm-hmm. and, and everyone, you know, you got the football entourage behind you and, and everybody's cheering you on. You know, they want to build you up on a pedestal so that they can tear you down um, after the fact. So it, I, I couldn't process being, um, you know, and I don't want to, I don't want this to sound rude, crude or obnoxious, but I couldn't process the fact that I was a closet murderer. I mean, I had broken all 10 commandments by the time I was 17 years old. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I just couldn't process that, you know? Mm-hmm. Another question that I had Um, And I was able to watch your story from your YouTube account. Um, I don't think you mentioned this in um, that video. So I thought it was really interesting. You're talking about your brother and how he went through the same experience in high school, but ultimately just they went through the pregnancy and he got married and, you know, had the baby. When you were going through it, when you were 17, was there ever a moment where you saw your brother do it and you thought, well, maybe, maybe I could do it and turn out so bad for him and my parents will be okay and I'll be okay and my girlfriend will be okay and it'll all work out? Yeah, great question. I never, the Holy Trinity for me, Anna Marie, when I was 17 years old, and really up until in my early 40s, the Holy Trinity for me was me, myself, and I. It wasn't wasn't the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. I I couldn't think of anything but me, right? And and that's really the answer to that question. If I had thought for one second that that little mass of cells inside my girlfriend's womb would eventually become my son, if I could have just focused on, on that, it probably would have changed or impacted my decision. But you can't, I can't think about a baby um, in, in, in my girlfriend's womb when I want to play football on Sunday on national television. Right. And, and, and that's where, like most men, I had sacrificed my son on the altar of convenience. You know, I I denied my fatherhood. I did not stand up with and for my girlfriend and with and for my son. And there has not, because of that, I have paid the penalty for that. And that's why it's such a blessing for me. And maybe we'll get to that a little bit later. Having people come up to me after I give the talk in high school and 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 I maybe we'll get to the story about the 15-year-old girl from a local high school who had heard my talk, Anna Marie, 
And she came up afterwards, after the talk, the principal asked me to go over on the side so that people could share and reflect with me. And many people came by, but this one girl walked up with three of her friends and she stood at a distance because you could tell that there was an issue here. And she looked over at me and she looked through me, Anna Marie, and she, she rubbed her stomach she had a tear coming down her cheek and she mouthed the words, thank you. And, and I, I, all I could think about was my, when, when that happened, all I could think about was two things. One, God, how in the world are you using a broken instrument like me to affect the change in a, in a young woman's decision to keep her, her pregnancy? But I also thought Anna Marie of that poor 17-year-old boy who was scared, who was afraid, who was nervous. And, and, I, and, I, and I say to myself, and that's why I do this from one end of the world to the other as often and as frequently as I can. I, I want to be that person that stands in the gap for these pre-abortive teens um, and, and give them a window into the pain and suffering that's going to happen for them when they make this decision. So, yeah, I, I probably, uh, Anna Marie, should have should have opened my eyes when I was when I was seventeen. But you know, God writes straight with crooked lines, and he he certainly wouldn't be doing the miracles the miracles on a daily basis that he's doing today if he didn't let me feel that pain for the last 36 years that I've had to endure. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. Um, I definitely want to get into how you've used this, um, your experience in the abortion with your girlfriend and all of this pain and how you found forgiveness and how you're using it to um, support other people who need support, like the 15 year old girl. But um, hearing you talk about, you know, you, you are striving to help teenagers um, to see that they don't need to make that mistake that you made. And then, you know, and most likely if they do, most likely they will experience some sort of pain. And it, it makes me think of, cause you talk a lot about sports makes me think of all of the news stories and the people in the Olympics and in professional sports, you hear them talk about how they felt like they had to get an abortion to continue on, you know, with their sport, continue on with their career. They were scared, probably all the feelings that you felt when you were 17. So I think it's, it's important to bring that aspect in because I'm sure this happens a lot with kids in high school they want to play in college they have big dreams and to just know that to hear the other side of it that it's not all great and it's not going to fix everything and it could lead to su lead to suffering i think is a really valuable point of the conversation to bring up yeah, you know anna marie there is not every time i'm 53 years old now so the abortion took place 36 years ago Okay. And, and I'm Catholic Christian. So I got my first and, and primordial source of healing 
through confession in 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 my early 40s. I, I went into the confessional after about an hour and 15 minutes of confessing my sins for an entire life. I confessed the abortion that I that I had done so many years before. Tears were rolling down my cheek. The priest was crying. He gave me absolution. He came out, threw his arms around me and, and said the words, you know, welcome home, son. So for me, that was that was the that was God chasing me down for about 25 years to give me the healing that I needed. In an instant, in an instant, he forgave me for a life of sin. So I would, what I would say to the young men and the young women who are listening, okay, who are making the decision on whether or not to bring a life into this world, always remember this. If you make the decision that I made when I was 17, every time you drive by a baseball field and you see a father with his arm around his son, or if a mother with her arm around her son or daughter, Every time I look out the back window of my house and I see my next door neighbor playing soccer with his son, every single time I see that, Anna Marie, I'm reminded of the fact that instead of having the courage to stand up for my unborn son so many years before, I was a coward. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm not forgiven. That doesn't mean that I don't have God's infinite mercy in me. And I'm thankful for that. But when you, when you think you're making a decision as a creature to remove uh, what that, which, that which the creator has formed, when you make that decision, I promise you, Anne-Marie, I've talked to hundreds and thousands of men in person, okay, at conferences, at retreats, in each one of them that is post-abortive, when they hear the story, when they hear me come out of the darkness, it allows them to take the shackles off and come out of their imprisonment. And I have seen more grown men cry, break down in tears because of that decision that they made. It, it, it's, it's humbling to see that. It, it, I'll give you a, a specific instance. I did a men's conference in, in Pittsburgh in September of last year. And an 82-year-old man came up, Anna Marie, after, the comp, after my talk. And he looked me in the eyes. He was crying. He wrapped his arms around me. And that man had had an abortion 60 years before. And you know what he said to me? He said, I never knew that God could forgive me for that. I never knew it. And that pain I could hear in his voice, it, it, it was, he was trembling, an 82-year-old man trembling for a decision he had made 60 years before. So men and women that are listening to this, who, who are in the process of making that decision, trust me when I tell you, you are, we are never ready as parents to have children. We never are. In fact, that's the great dichotomy of having children. You have to have a child first, and then that child raises the parents on how to, how to 
be parents. You know, we think we're teaching our children how to walk and crawl and eat. We are doing that. But they are. That little baby is was teaching me that it's not about me. It's not all about me in life. It's about now it's about another human being. And they teach us, our children teach us to be parents. But you will not have that opportunity if you if you do not allow that child to enter into this world. So it sounds like from from what you were just saying, you were able to to take this and be able to speak to people about it and to be able to to say to give people advice and to do um to do events and to spread your story how did you how are you able to feel comfortable in doing that and know that that is um the path that you should go down in finding healing and forgiveness yeah so in my early 40s Anna Marie is when I get the confession that I spoke to you about a couple of minutes ago. That's when God, mm-hmm. as a Catholic Christian, the God of the universe set me free from my mortal sin. Okay. But just because God forgave me, that doesn't mean that I immediately forgave myself. I had to share that abortion wounded story with my wife, my beloved wife. She helped me carry that burden. Right. And then through prayer, I, I, God let me know that I had a son in heaven. You know, that son that I always wanted, he had given me. Unfortunately, he was in heaven and not here on earth. But again, that was another part of the healing process. One of the greatest parts of the healing process, Anna Marie, is the fact I called my former girlfriend up from what how, I think it was 30 years before and apologized to her. And she helped set me free from captivity. But really, Anna Maria, it wasn't until I was praying in the chapel one day and I looked up at the, at the crucifix and I said, Lord, when am I going to finally get healing from this pain that's inside of me? And, and he, he, looked, he looked, I felt him, I felt his presence and I felt him say to me, Jeff, what do you think my wounds on this cross were for? What do you think the purpose of them is? What do you think the purpose is? The purpose is, is so that you can get your healing from my wounds. And then he said, I believe I heard him say, now I need you to show your wounds to other people so they can get their healing. And I'll be honest with you, I I looked up and I said, I'm not capable of that, Lord. I am not capable of that. In the words of Philippians 4.13, hit me in the chest like a ton of bricks. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. So I walked out of that chapel that day. Uh, Anna Marie, that was probably six or seven years ago, and I've been telling the story every single place on podcasts, on EWTN, form.org, that man is you. Everywhere where they'll hear my story, I tell it because I want to get pre-abortive um, um, healing to those who haven't made the decision and then mm-hmm. post-abortive healing to those who have. And, and it, I could tell you 
a limitless number of stories that, that God has blessed me with in setting me free from my captivity and how that's helped someone else get free from their captivity. We only have a couple more minutes left, but um, speaking of your son, for our listeners, Jeff has, he wrote a letter to his son, which he has allowed us to share on our real life stories um, part of our blog. And so we will have that linked on our website and you'll read it. It's a letter he wrote to his son. Um, It's very powerful, very beautiful letter. you can find that at rtl.org slash my dash son. And obviously, Jeff, you have, I'm sure you have countless stories and um, we could talk for hours about this and I'm sad that we can't, but um, what I can do for our listeners and for you to help you get your story out is um, tell people about your YouTube where you have, I believe the full story um, linked on there. And so you can find that at youtube.com slash at Jeff M. Joquin slash featured. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. That's, okay. that's one of the, I have got, I have gotten asked in already so many times, you know, about the story and, 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 you know, they had people had heard about it, but hadn't watched it. And, you know, so we put up that, um, that YouTube channel about a month ago and, and we've had almost, you know, I think 90,000 views of that, of the, of the video mm-hmm. uh, in the last month. So that, yeah, that's the whole story. If people want to hear that, that's, that's, uh, that's the story of, uh, of, of my healing story, uh, my, my abortion healing story. Yes, I, I definitely recommend that uh, and everyone check that out. And um, I just want to say, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us for a little bit today and for sharing what you have. Um, I wish you all the luck and continue to share your story. And I just think it's so important that uh, we help you get this story out um, for all of the people that are uh, you know, contemplating abortion or have gone through an abortion, I think this will be a really powerful story for them. Thank you so much uh, for your time. God bless you and God bless all your listeners, Annabry. Thank you. You too. Thank you for listening, everyone. And I hope you have a great weekend.